0: Good morning, good morning, everyone. Thank you for attending yet another exciting Monday Mindset meeting. I see lots of smiles. And for those who are not smiling yet, there you go. Thank you so much for that. Lots of smiling, folks. Uh, before I introduce the one and the only James Sale here, I uh, just want to welcome you once again. Uh, today, we're really talking all about motivation mapping. This is something that Christopher, my business partner, done before about motivation. We're really talking to the founder of motivation uh, mapping, and so we'll, we'll chat with him in a second. Um, the chat room, it is there for you to uh, introduce yourself. Let us know where are you, and that way James and I can see, you know, where is everyone's at? What type of business are you in? Are we talking to the right audience? Lots of familiar faces uh, here already today, James. So um, it's going to up our game a little bit. Uh, quick for those who've never done the Monday mindset meeting what we're going to be doing today is just really talking about one specific area Um, you know uh, this today's topic is motivational mapping but what does that all mean we'll get into that we really want to get really clear with the mindset and then we want to get really clear with what is one thing that you can do throughout this week just this week alone nothing else but just this week that you can get to another place when it comes to the mindset or developing or another way of looking at certain things Uh, we'll have a quick Q&A at the end, and James has also agreed after the meeting to be here to answer any additional questions, because sometimes what we're finding is after the meeting, we're going to uh, get into some other things that we could not obviously cover in in this meeting. Uh, So we'll be able to do that. And also, if you want to know more about James, we'll be able to engage him there as well. So sit tight, let's get started with this week's Monday Mindset Meeting. I would like to introduce James Sale to everyone. James is the creator of Motivational Maps and is also an author and a poet. And you should read some of the amazing things that he uh, posts on his LinkedIn and stuff like that. Um, Motivational Maps now operate in 14 countries, if you can believe that, and nine languages. Um, According to Christopher, uh, although I may speak five, I apparently don't do any of them well. So it's good to know that there's other languages out there. Uh, The key goal goal of Motivational Maps is to attract business practitioners around the world to have a license to enable them to grow their business, become motivational experts, and make a difference with their clients. James is a top-rated speaker and motivator and never fails to deliver a thought-provoking and engaging session. And hopefully that is what we're looking for today. James, good morning and welcome. Let me just get you off mute here.
1: There we go. Thank you. you go. Good morning everyone. Great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to speak to so many people. I admire your dedication and uh, probably like you too. I'm not dumb and I'm not mute, but I have almost been blinded by the star struck quality of being here with Carl and Christopher. It's been fabulous already. No, I I'm going to
0: enjoy it. I appreciate you reading that script we gave you. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that.
1: So uh, what we try
0: to do, because 30 minutes is, is a short period of time. I know for a lot of people when they're in their meetings, though, it feels like forever. But for our session, sometimes we just want to kind of really kinda get into it. So uh, let's start with the obvious question of mo- like motivation. Like, How did you stumble into creating this? This tool, and, and I say stumble because I think most great things that we find in, in our history, people have been uh, actually stumble across it. So was that a stumble for you? Like how did motivation mapping came to be?
1: Well, that's a very good question. And you're absolutely right. I don't think anyone starts their life thinking one day I'm going to be the creator of motivational maps or of anything else. You, you know, how, how do you get from A to B? It's this kind of journey and this sort of uncovering and discovering of things as you go along the way. I think two things really were primary. Firstly, I'd been a trainer and a coach for 10 years. And during that time, I had done a lot of research, a lot of learning, as you have to when you're doing this kind of work, you have to be ahead of the game. And you absorb a lot of material. And I found when I was absorbing this material that I also was changing some of it. And two things became very important to me. The first was this idea that everyone was talking about motivation, but for something to be truly meaningful and manageable and, and, and handleable, to put it in that way, you have to have a language and you have to have a metric. And what struck me about motivation, the more I read into it, was that people talked about it. there was an away from motivation, there was a towards motivation, it was basically quite what I'd call primitive Freudian. It was actually like mm-hmm. pleasure, pain, we had these two states, but that was the only kind of language that people were using. And yet, businesses, were crying out for a more exact way of describing it and measuring it so that we could do something with it. So that was partly the incentive to do it. And the second thing which might resonate with some of your listeners is this. I mean, if you are a coach or a trainer or a consultant who that is what you love doing, you are top of your game, you're charging premium dollar for what you are doing, and you see your career as being... Um, you know, the next 20 years, 30 years doing that and then you stop and you, and you retire, whatever, that's fine. i had been a teacher for 15 years and I changed career in my early forties. I became a trainer, but I became aware the more I did it that I didn't really have what I'd call a full on business. What I was, I was self-employed. Mm-hmm. What that meant was as soon as I stopped training or as soon as I stopped coaching, I stopped actually making money. I, to me, that wasn't really, so I was advising business people, but I didn't really have what I would call a business. I had a self-employment. So part of the motive, my own motivation, not that Builder isn't motivated for me, but part of my motivation was I wanted to create a business whereby when I stopped doing the actual delivery, the business still generated revenue so that I could do more creative things that I wanted to do. So there was a sort of double thing. Part of it was to do with creating the language and the metrics so that people could get a handle on what it was they were dealing with. Right. And part of it was a business proposal, and that business proposal, of course, also meant that I created a structure whereby coaches, trainers, consultants could license this and create residual income for themselves. Right. So I'm not pretending to be um, a philanthropist because clearly it was a self motivation, a self reason for doing this, but. I wanted to create something which was powerful, not just for me, but for other people as well.
0: Now, James, why motivation? So I understand the practitioner having a tool. Um, is that because there was a bigger issue that most people? Because we all know, you know. And sometimes when people say, you know, it's knowledge, it's information. Give people information, train. Because I hear, you know, entrepreneurs and practitioners says, "Hey, I want to educate people. I'm passionate about educating people. I'm I'm doing all this thing to educate people." But we've learned and we know of of uh, Motivation Map practitioners as well, is that information doesn't do anything. It's what do you do with that? And that's that underlying thing around the motivation. And so why is motivation such a big thing that either gets in your way or allows you to expand?
1: Well, we have a model, which I'm sure you know about, which is this this triangle of, see, when we talk about businesses, businesses in my experience, ever since I founded Motivation maps in 2006, I've never really found a business that really wants to buy motivation from me. So mm-hmm. in sales speak, motivation is what they call a feature. They say they want motivation, but actually it's a feature. What businesses want is actually the benefit of the feature. And the benefit of the feature is performance. Right. Now, it's at this point that the business and the personal development world meet because actually all of us should and do in, the, in a healthy psychological individual, want to perform. In fact, we are conditioned to perform because we are told, as young boys and young girls, you know, if you do this, if you perform right, you get this reward. So, in our own deep psychology, our our ability to uh, perform and be rewarded are intimately connected. What mm-hmm. I believe I've discovered in the process of doing this, um, and I'm not saying I'm unique; other people may have made the same observation, but is motivation is the core component of the performance. Along with direction, where are we going? We've got to have the correct direction. Along with skills and knowledge, we've got to know our staff. So we've got the direction of the car, the steering wheel. We've got the skills and knowledge, which is like the chassis and the insides and all that lovely intricate stuff that makes up the engine. But without the gas, without the fuel, without the petrol, without that sort of driving it, Direction and skills and knowledge on their own are dead. And this was a key revelation to me when I came to it.
0: Oh my God, what a cliffhanger James just gave us. What a cliffhanger James just gave. So James, I don't know if you could hear, but you are, you froze on our end. Um, So while I... Oh, there you're you go. You're, you're back. What a cliffhanger. And I think what you were going to say was the piece that we're trying to get into, which is the mindset. It has to start with that mindset around what do you think motivation is and what do you need? To, are you clear with its performance? Because you can't do anything else if that's not clear is what you're saying. Mm.
1: Yes. You can't do anything else because actually my favorite synonym for motivation is energy. And without energy, We cannot do anything at all. And here's one of the really interesting sidebar issues of the whole motivational question. Why it Mm -hmm. appeals to me particularly is that, you see, people, our rivals, when we talk about competitors in the market space, are actually coaches and trainers and consultants. Our competitors are effectively psychometric tests and behavioral tests. Mm -hmm. And what these things are, in my opinion, is um, they're good. That Many of them do many good things. And many of my practitioners use them in coordination with motivational maps. So there's nothing to stop people combining tools. But here's the distinction. The distinction really comes down to, and this is to do with my poetry background, really, is Mm -hmm. I like, I love ambiguity. The psychometric tools are linear. You go from A to B and they're behavioral and we can observe behavior. We can say, well, there's a behavior. We can see what it is. We feel deeply reassured. We feel secure. In fact, they meet our defend a motivator. Mm-hmm. The thing about motivation is it's not linear. It's ambiguous. It's inherent. Actually, only the very best coaches, only the best trainers, only the best can work with this because the people who can't live with ambiguity can't stand it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you've got to know for certain what's going to happen next, There's no good working on motivation because this is a moving target. So this is why it attracts me. It attracts me because I think it's profound. I think it goes into the human psyche. It's below the visible level. What we're dealing with is we are making the invisible visible Visible. through the language and the metric. Whereas the other kinds of tools are already dealing with the visible. So this is a deeper level of awareness. Now,
0: James, obviously, you're speaking in church here, because I'm seeing a lot of people nodding right now. There's a lot of people who are saying, yes, that's exactly it. And I think that is why so many practitioners, and some of them are on here today, do really well, because what's happening is that we need to break that down for people, because it's good to know, but then what do I do with that? Before I ask you about, you know, what is some something that someone can do this week to get clarity on their motivation. Um I'm curious of the nine motivators, and for everyone who is listening or watching, we won't get into all those motivations. We're going to give you a link later on how to tap into additional resources for that, because it's it's a lot that's going on. And you know, uh my business partner Christopher actually did his first webinar on motivational mapping that went over quite well. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, please let us know. But Of all the nine motivators, James, is there one that people should take, play uh, close attention to? We're not saying it's the most important, we're just saying this is the one, if this shows up in your motivation mapping, that you should pay close attention to. Uh, What would that
1: be? Well, just to go back to, we've done obviously over 70,000 maps now, so I can tell you all, that the most dominant motivator of all, as a number one motivator across the board is, overwhelmingly the search of motivator. That is. It. But that isn't the motivating. that is not the answer to this question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the answer to this question hinges upon the thing you have to pay attention to is, it's like Sherlock Holmes. You know, Sherlock Holmes, everyone else looks for the big clues, but Sherlock Holmes is looking for the little tiny things that nobody notices, which actually become highly significant. So in fact, it's the lowest motivators, which are in fact really interesting. And I think there are two answers, because we always say maps are contextual. There's a business answer which is really interesting, and there's yeah. a personal development answer which is really interesting. So, in the field of business, you should pay particular attention to the director motivator when it is lowest in a company that you are going into. Yes. Why? Because it's the motivator which is about managing. What it's saying is we've got a whole bunch of managers here, a whole bunch of CEOs or CEOs, yes. FDs, you name it, HR people. And they're all managing, but actually, the overall thrust of the company is they don't like managing. Energy. They don't. Act, they've got the skill set. Not say they can't do it well, but at the end of the day, if the if the energy is not there behind it, there's a sense of burnout that happens. And on a personal development level, the lowest motivator you've got to watch is the star motivator, because a lot of people I think it's very true of coaches mm. uh, have star motivator as their lowest. Because actually, in a way, on the Maslow hierarchy terms, they've outgrown it. They don't need that. They're up there making a difference. They're up there being creative. They're up there, you know, with their autonomy. But actually, what is the Star Motivator really about? It's about recognition. And there's a sense in which we can de-recognize ourselves by not paying enough attention to the recognition that we should be receiving in our life and for our own psychological well-being. Mm. So actually, it's a really useful thing to start thinking, where is the star motivator? It's not that you're trying to change the motivators of a particular individual that you may be coaching or training or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's actually to notice what that might mean, particularly when the scoring is below 10 and it's very low. Mm -hmm. There's a sense in which they're not necessarily nurturing themselves. And since we're in lockdown at the moment, all of us in one way or another, This nurturing of ourselves is rising to the surface in terms of wellness, resilience, and a whole range of things that are connected, I Mm -hmm. think, with the star motivator.
0: Now, James, could you, for everyone who may not be, who's on here who doesn't know what the star motivator, what is a high level, what is the star motivator, and then also what is the uh,
1: director motivator as well? The director motivator is the desire to control, to manage, to be in charge of people and or resources. So it's very specifically um, a um, a management type or a leadership type motivator, and in fact, in the UK, where I did a, 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 an analysis of a lot of um, what we call SMEs, small to medium-sized businesses, we right. frequently find that managing directors, CEOs of smaller businesses in the UK, have the director in their top three, along with the spirit. In other words, right. which is the autonomy motivator, which is an internal conflict, which often leads to. They want to control their people, but they don't want to be controlled themselves by the rules. So they don't for the talk. Right. classic conflict which occurs. But the, the direct motivator is control. The star motivator is the hunger for recognition. And by the way, this is a relationship motivator because, of course, where do we get recognition from? Mm. We can only get it from other people. So it's that sense of wanting other people to recognize our talents, our abilities, our personality, our character, and and that it can become pathological and it Mm -hmm. can become healthy. But at a healthy level, we all need recognition. I think it was William James, the great American father of psychology who said, Mm -hmm. the deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. Notice that word. He didn't say the need to be appreciated. He said, the craving. Mm -hmm. It was like a hunger that people had for recognition. And so this really essentially or quintessentially the star motivator.
0: Brilliant. You know, I want to put this in context because I believe Christopher is on here. Um, Christopher talks about this quite often about the director motivator. And so Christopher, do you, are you able to unmute and just share specifically because that actually impacted our organization.
1: Thank God he's going to do some work at last. I thought he was just going to just be a bystander. Where, Where is he?
2: Well, James, that's what I was hoping to be this morning. But, you know, I get sucked into these things. Really, Kyle does need a lot of hand-holding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, actually, it's interesting. So in my motivational map, director often sits in the bottom half of it. So it's usually in in, in motivator six, six through nine, somewhere in there. Sometimes it's motivator five, but it's really rare. So so how did that impact? You know, so that I would say that's a natural place for that motivator to sit for me, meaning that that very rarely is it ever gonna be in my top three, unless there's some kind of mitigating circumstance going on in my life. So how did, how did that impact how
1: I chose to make decisions in my business? And- well, it's, it's impacted already, isn't it? Firstly, you've required Carl as, a, as your person to uh, take That's more it. and then finally, as he's not up for the job, you've got Catherine doing it. Exactly. <laughs> That's right, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, it's passing the buck up the chain, isn't it? <laughs> That's
2: it. Yeah. So, so that was it, actually, because I, you know, I think sometimes you have to recognize if you're the, you know, if you're exactly. the chef that owns the restaurant, or if you're, you know, like like you can be a chef and you can still cook and you can still own the restaurant, but that doesn't yeah. mean you should be running the whole thing. But, and with Kyle kyle's there to run the restaurant i'm there to be the chef i love exactly. it that's but, what so i want to do it's
1: finding it's finding your strength it's your strong spot it, it's a waste of time to do things actually you're not motivated to do actually you're not and you've got the skill to do it you clearly could do it if you wanted to but this isn't exactly and you've got three or four key things that you've got a real talent for that is where you need to focus not on where you don't focus mm-hmm. but if you don't focus on it You've still got to find a workaround. You've got to find the way out. So then how do we grow the business if that part of it is actually being under-investigated, under under-resourced, under under-looked at, if you want to call it that. So this is really interesting for anyone who does a map with a company to see which motivators are going to be met. But actually, what are the implications of those lower motivators if there's nobody doing those kind of things? Right.
0: And so, thank you, Christopher. So, James, the imperfect inspired action that someone can do this week, right, is, is what? I'm hearing already understanding your strengths. Because I think a lot of times when we see, I mean, I grew up with this as well. You know, leaders will say, hey, you're strong at this, but let's just focus on your weaknesses. And I never understood that. I just thought to myself, I'm not good at it for a reason. So why am I spending more time and energy in that sector when I could be doing so much more with the things that I'm good at?
1: Yeah, but I'm going to actually just shift that slightly to another, another aspect of the maps. And uh, for those who've read the first book, Mapping Motivation, you will know that motivation itself has three primary sources. So, and they're linked to the tenses of past, present, and future, but that the side of the episode. But basically, those three things are the, the fixedness of your personality contributes mm-hmm. to what motivates you, and that, which is 20 to 30%. But the 70% is down to two things one, your self concept. And the other one, your expectations. And both those things are actually intimately connected to your belief system. So your right. self-concept your beliefs internally focused. And your expectations are your beliefs about what is going to happen in future, which affects how motivated you are. So if you right. felt, for example, that attending a Carl Kalu seminar, webinar, was going to be a complete waste of time, you would not be motivated to be here. Fortunately, you made the opposite conclusion. But to come to one of those points, the self-concept, the self-concept itself is divided into three areas: the self-esteem, mm. uh, the self-image, and here's the interesting thing: the ideal self, and that has a future orientation. You know, so who is your ideal self? So what is an action point you could take for yourself now? And it would be this: is who is your number one? role model. If You take the whole of history and the whole of the present now and you ask yourself, which one person do I most admire, who I most think is the greatest, who would that person be? And having done that, ask yourself the question, what is the quality that they have
0: mm-hmm.
1: I so admire? And then having done that, you then create the action plan about how you, and this is a long-term plan. It's not going to happen short-term. You take you take a long-term action plan as to how you are going to acquire that quality. Now, if you go to my book, here's a plug coming up. If you go to my book, <laughs> Mapping Motivation for Engagement, Routley, this is
0: brilliant, yes.
1: to three, page 61, I reveal to the whole world my top three people in the world that actually are my ideal selves, that I want them. Two, two men, one woman, mm-hmm. three people I want to be like, and I identify three qualities in each, which makes three times three, nine qualities that drive me, that I want to be in my ideal world. So I am becoming, I'm mapping is a journey, we're going from A to B. The great example from uh, the classics was Odysseus, mm-hmm. you travel from Troy back home to Ithaca, to join his spouse Penelope, that's one level. But Who is the spouse Penelope? That is your own soul. It's a journey home of becoming to meet your own soul. And these ideal selves are actually what can help drive us on that journey. Warren Buffett said, tell me who your heroes are and I'll tell you who you turn out to be. Tell me who your heroes are and I'll tell you who you'll turn out to be. Jeez, there we go. There we're driving our motivators and we're going to a point more primary in the system to the self-concept and the ideal self.
0: I love that, James. I mean, and what a great way to kind of wrap up this meeting. Um, uh, There's a question there I want to to get into because we have some practitioners who are on here um, running entrepreneurs as well, who's running their business and they deal with people. And so, uh, you know, the question is, you know, what can they do to motivate their staff? Because, of course, as leaders, you hear that, right? You're responsible to motivate others, which... You and I know there's a few of the things that's in there, but in in a quick uh, 30 seconds or less, uh, which I know means for you 10 minutes, James, but in just a quick minute or less, uh, what can we say to those people who are leading others, who feel um, they have the responsibility to motivate others? The key thing you need to
1: keep in mind without doing the maths, if you do the maths, you'll find out anyway, but if you don't do the maths, the key thing is to make the assumption, which is really but the relationship end of the motivational spectrum. People want to be loved and cared and they want to trust you. And those are defender, friend and star motivators actually. So what I would want to do is the sense of, so I haven't mentioned the friend motivator, but the belonging motivator is a primary thing to authentically enable people to belong to your company and to care for them is the starting point. It's not the end point, it's a starting point of something happening. So there's plenty of information about that on, you know, in the books, mapping motivation books about what to do about it.
0: Thank you, James. For those who want to uh, reach out to James, we're going to be throwing up his info. I believe Catherine's already done it. See how efficient she is, (laughs) so she's already done that. The information is also on there. One of the things that we're doing with the uh, Monday Mindset uh, meetings, I mean, I can't believe we started this at the end of April to uh, kind of what it is right now, is we really want to expand this community of sharing information. And so, you know, Catherine's going to introduce a website. This is a website that you can share with other people. This is the website that you should send to other people and say, listen, what are you doing next Monday? This is a great opportunity for you to join me uh, while I attend this 30-minute or so uh, meeting on mindset and taking inspired actions that could really set up your week um, that's really your intent and to be helpful in that process so please reach out to us if you do have additional questions and if you're interested in doing your own motivational mapping um, please reach out to us uh, as well both christopher and i um, are practitioners um, and so we do work quite well with james um, and linda Uh, with the team and there again there's there's tons of other practitioners here uh, as well so please make sure we'll be able to do that. Any additional questions please stick around um, that you want to be able to hear a little bit more uh, about how we can uh, help with that as well because I think that's where we're going to get into the nitty gritty for the next 10 minutes or so uh, after this meeting. Um, Other than that any last thing James what are you working on what do you want people to know about?
1: Well. Firstly, the mapping motivation books—the fifth and final one—the manuscript is with publishers. So, mapping motivation for top-performing teams will probably be out later this year. So that's exciting. On the twelfth of the tenth uh, of this year, twelfth of October, we have the Maps Conference in, in uh, which is not going to be in Winchester because of the, the because of the virus. It's going to be an online conference, so people could mm-hmm. sign up for the motivational Maps Conference. And this coming Wednesday, if you go on Facebook and look for the wider circle. Uh, We're doing 10 to 12 days of poetry, live poetry, art, music, which is um, uh, a real passion of mine with my wife and various other people. So if you're interested in poetry, interested in art, music, you might find the wider circle on Facebook something interesting to look at. Thank you. Brilliant.
0: Uh, Yvonne, Kathy and John, I saw your question. We'll definitely get to that in a minute or so. So please stick around and James will have an opportunity to read those questions as well and then be able to uh, answer those. And anyone who wants to stick around to hear those (laughs) answers as well, um, that is fantastic. And this is what always happens, right, when we have someone you know is brilliant in their field and we get into so many great stuff that we want to be able to chat a little bit more about but sometimes we don't get a chance to do it thank you so much we do know you have choices out there we're so glad that you were able to attend this meeting today after the outro uh, we will be sticking around james sale thank you so much uh, thank once you. again
1: thank you everyone for being here it's been great i really enjoyed it
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, Yvonne, do you, are you okay to jump into your question there? And then we'll go to Kathy and then John.
2: Hi, can you hear me? me?
0: We could hear you with some funky DJ background, but yeah, that's good. Is that better? Berta. Oh, perfect.
2: Okay. Sorry. I had, uh, I had two devices going here. Yeah. So my question is, is how important is it that we understand what motivates our staff? Is it, is it, enough to be a cheerleader without knowing what their actual drive is, or is it valuable to be not a general cheerleader, but a specific cheerleader as their leader? <laughs> That's my question.
1: Well, I think, you know, uh, if we actually were to take a simple and uh, scale this down to, for example, parents with children and, you, and you say you had, uh, you know, six children, or I don't have six children myself, by the way, but if you had six children, Four. Well, there you go. So, you know, you know they're different, and you know that what one likes, somebody else doesn't like. And, and so we have to make compromises. We go along, we have a family outing, and, 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 and so sometimes it's geared around the youngest, and sometimes it's geared around the two in the middle, and sometimes whatever. But at the end of the day, we can be a cheerleader for our children, or we can really seek to understand where they're coming from. So what I would argue is, and this would be independently of motivational maps, in fact, there's been several books in the last couple of years, which actually, um, The Future of Management being one of them, for example, where, you know, people are reaching the point of saying we need to understand the motivation of staff if we are going to, and I think this is the key thing, properly reward them in the way they want to be rewarded. Because the point of this is, it's not just about being a nice person, it's about retention. Uh, you know, the talent war that's going on now, which is only going, going to intensify with, with this, this lockdown and the changing world order, uh, not just to uh, productivity, What we don't want is uh, absenteeism, and even worse is that presenteeism, where people just turning up for work, doing a job, just a job. Uh, And we want to have reward strategies. And here's the thing, I think, you know, like most things, it takes a bit of effort to find out what motivates people. But the Mm -hmm. rewards when you get there are out of all proportion, because here's the thing, what the research we've done, and not just us, but there's a lot of other research which backs this up, shows is that People really most people, not everybody, but most people don't want money. They want something else. And what that something else is, is usually a lot cheaper than money. Exactly. <laughs> it's usually a lot more expensive than some of the things. I mean, take recognition as a case in point. Napoleon said Perfect. once upon a time, he said, I, I can't get a man to die for money, but I can get him to die for a medal. I mean, you know, I can get him to die for a medal. That's the star motivator. I mean, so, you know, how much is the medal versus how much was the cash that you might offer somebody to die in a war? So I think you know, it's it's thinking about this in a very savvy, strategic kind of way. Knowing motivators makes sense. Right. I love that.
0: Thank you, Yvonne. I love that, James, because when we work with leaders as well, sometimes they often say, you know, I need a rewards and recognition program. And we often say you need to understand what motivates them. Because, you know, in my previous world, you know, where people wanted more than a gift certificate and all that other stuff is they wanted to have lunch with me as their senior leader. And I thought, who wants to have lunch with me? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but that's what they that's good, all of
1: that. <laughs> it's
0: just like, what? But again, it just shows, goes to shows you that
1: they really yeah. have a different yeah. expectation of what motivates them to keep them going, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a star, classic style motivator. It's actually, you know, people wanting to have lunch with their bosses is classically <laughs> wanting to associate, and also too, it's partly learning as well. Sometimes you want to associate with your bosses in order to learn how the bosses behave. Right. How, am I becoming a boss am mm-hmm. I, I going to mm-hmm. be this myself I mean it's all sorts of subtle things going on there I, mm-hmm. and I think it's so important yeah absolutely Excellent.
0: thank you so much for that Kathy did you want to ask your question or you just want us to kind of read it I'm not sure if Kathy's still here or not Kathy Druger okay.
2: my question I didn't quite catch the name of the book that James held up there
0: oh yes uh, james your book uh, well, he has a few kathy so i mean they're all like yeah like
1: it, number five is coming up <laughs> yeah number five's coming up but they're all in the same series the series is called the, the mapping mapping motivation yeah. so there's mapping motivation number one there's mapping motivation for coaching number two there's mapping motivation for engagement which is why i number shared three. number three mm-hmm. there's mapping motivation for leadership number four And the fifth and final book in the series is Mapping Motivation for Top Performing Teams, which will be out later this year. So the one I referred to specifically was Mapping Motivation for Engagement, which was about um, the ideal self. But I also referred indirectly to the first book, Mapping Motivation, when I talked about the three elements of motivation being personality, self-concept, and expectations. There's a big chapter on it.
0: Yeah, I really like the, thank you, Kathy. I really like the engaging piece, even the leadership. So even if someone either is brand new to leadership, right? So regardless of where you are in the organization, you're either brand new to leadership as well as you're an existing leader for some time. Those are, I mean, that's the great book. The leadership one, we really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've I've used a lot of some of those uh, tools that you have in there, James, to really give additional information from the execution side of it. Because that's I really what it, it is. So that, that's, that's what we great. want to hear. I want to Perfect.
1: hear that. It's fabulous. People using the tools is great. and Getting results is just it's just marvelous. I it's, love that. Well icing done, Icing on Tom.
0: the cake. Thank you. Appreciate that. Despite what Christopher says about me, please know I am working the system. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John, for nodding. John, you had a question as well.
3: Yeah, actually, I had two. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, James, uh, I understand what you were talking about uh, in terms of, performance and my questions come from the aspect of being a business leader can people be trained to be motivated I, I know what uh, the tool provides because I've done it a couple of times myself and and I understand the awareness side of the tool um, which is absolutely awesome it's one of the best tools I've ever ever worked with and I mean that sincerely um, but can can you actually train people to be motivated. And then the second piece of my question is around we're in the travel business and a great deal of our success is how well we can relate to our client. And it's often got emotion associated with what we, we we design in the way of travel for people. Is there a way to recognize what motivates people and i'm thinking specifically in this case about customers
1: yes well the answer to both questions is a sort, of, sort of kind of yes but with a qualification in the first case okay so let me just tell you a story which is a true story some 10 or more years ago i did some pro bono work for a charity in the uk it's called the prince's trust it's actually run by prince charles in fact and what it was i was actually setting myself up to be a mentor for this charity to um, mentor uh, ex-offenders from prison who were coming out of prison and who needed to set up businesses and to be helped to personal development to, to actually, um, um, you know, sort of get on their feet again. The thing about this that was interesting, what John, was that um, I did it for about a year and then I stopped. I couldn't go on doing it. It wasn't for me to do it. But actually, I used the maps with the prisoners. And um, here's the strange thing I discovered. I discovered that the maps were accurate for the prisoners, but useless. In other words, what I came to conclude from other work I did as well, was that about 15% of the population have got such low self esteem that in fact, the maps can be accurate, but they don't count. They aren't, they actually, what they want is being superseded by what they need. And what they need some people is to survive. So to survive, they end up playing games, they, get, they become game players. So these, for example, I had a lot of prisoners who were game playing me. They were actually trying to get me to do things for them that actually they thought in their, was in their short-term interest, but not in their long-term interest. Now you meet these same people, not prisons exactly, but in corporations, you meet people who are actually just serial game players. They have low self-esteem, and it doesn't matter what you do for them, they'll say, yes, 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 but they are playing They're playing politics, they're playing another game, they're doing it all. So the answer is for these people, you can't motivate them because actually they're driven by a more fun – if you look at the, the hierarchy of Maslow, they're right at the bottom at some primitive level where the, the, the more advanced things of self-esteem, of creativity, of freedom, they don't count. Their parenting has been, or lack of parenting has been such that they have got, survival is all, it's, it's all about. I need to manipulate this person, how am I going to do that? Oh, I'm going to smile, I'm going to be nice, i this. And they, they, they learn this pattern, and it doesn't work for them. So, what I'm saying, therefore, is about 15% of people, the maps are accurate, but they don't count. Now, if you go to the other 85% of people, The answer is, well, nobody can actually motivate somebody else. You have to motivate yourself, but you can create the conditions in which motivation occurs. And what the maps do is enable you to actually reconstruct those conditions and reward it appropriately. Now, it's not, as I mentioned earlier, it's ambiguous. It's not like you do A, you get to B, and it's all straightforward. Of course, you won't actually... um, succeed with everybody. And I put it this way. Um, Lou Adler, the world's number one recruitment expert, the American, he reckoned that the traditional recruitment of new staff to a company was actually, if you had a normal interview, you had a 50-50 chance of getting the right candidate, the right hire. So basically, you might as well flip a coin. Yeah, you know, somebody's turned up for interview, flip a coin, and you might. Now, my point would be, if you use the math, that becomes a 70 to 80% chance of getting the right hire. If you use the maps in the correct way, which, by the way, is extensively dealt with in my latest book, um, to use the maps in the right way, you will increase your You won't filter out every deadbeat, but you will filter out some of them. If we then go into the customer and what the customer wants, of course, if you understood the motivators of your customer better than... I mean, actually, to be fair to you, I think the travel industry is very good at understanding its, its customer, Right? Mm-hmm. But we think about—I mean, I think about a holiday, right? What kind of holiday do I like? Well, I like going to warm climates. I like going where there's lots of museums, cathedrals, architecture—you uh, know, paintings, culture. I don't know. I want to learn. I want to see some innovation. I mean, I can link the—and I, actually, I don't want to do it with a backpack. And I don't want to go into. Um, a youth hospital i want to go to a four or a five star hotel so yes. you can see clearly there are certain motivators here which drive me for my holiday so if you think about your clients yes uh, by the way if you go into the first book mapping motivation it shows you how to do the maps without using and paying for the maps there's actually a there's a physical way of doing it which is pretty not as accurate but a pretty accurate way of doing it so anything you can do to notice what motivates your clients and then saying, well, they definitely are an expert or they're definitely a builder or they're definitely um, whatever it is. So what kind of holidays then suit that kind of profile? So there's a whole lot of work that could be done. You could become the first person in the world. We've got over 800 licensees, by the way. You could be the first person in the world who tailors the maps to holiday customer experience and makes a go of it, we can have another book out just on that one topic alone, John.
0: There you go, John. There's a challenge there, I see you. <laughs> I see you. There's something that we could do and work on that. But, but James, that's exactly what it is. I mean, and there's other tools, you know, as you know, that's out there um, that I think a lot of recruiters use and a lot of leaders are using. And we always warn them. We said, regardless of the tool, you have to add context to it. You can't Absolutely. just m- say, here's yeah. what that Snow is. Exactly. And the map allows for us to really expose and uncover, you know, what is happening for them, why their motivation is. And how you can use that. I'll I'll tell you a really quick story before we wrap up here. I know, you know, one person was recruiting and he came across and I think that he decided on a sales guy and he said, you know, I want to go with a sales guy, but I just found out that he was in prison for selling, you know, drugs. I said, well, that's the sales guy you need. (laughs) Right? The killer said at the end of the day, he's reforming himself, but he has the tools because you see how those people sell it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? is a reason why it's highly profitable, right? Not endorsing it, but I'm just simply saying you have to look beyond that stigma. Excuse me, that stigma is what we think these things are. But when we did his motivational map, we recognized he's motivated in the right way, not only um, about the organization, but on self. And anyone yes. who's motivated on self, we can do things. Even at WestJet, when we used to hire back in the day, it used to be we hire for attitude and train for skill. Because if yeah. you had that attitude, I could show you how to turn on the computer, right? Anyway, thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it. Thank you everyone well, thank else you. For, for jumping on today. Lots of great information. Uh, we're able to actually uh, take back here. Um, and so we hope to see you next week where we do have uh, Ryan Townen is going to be with us as the co-host as well, talking about more the resilience of entrepreneurship. And so we hope to see you then. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Um, and thank you again, James. I appreciate it. We'll definitely have to have and you
1: all, back. See you all next time I'm in Canada. See you there. <laughs> for sure.
0: Take care. Thank Bye you. now.
1: Bye for now. Bye.